ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, if you've got ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or you can tweet us. Use the Twitter handle at sfdiocese with the hashtag ignition. Again, sfdiocese and use the hashtag ignition. Uh, this week, I don't have my regular co-host, Father Andrew Dickinson, with me. Instead, I have Monsignor Charles Mangan, a priest of the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Uh, Monsignor, um, we're going to be talking today about the apparitions of Mary, Mother of God, Our Lady, at Fatima 100 years ago in 1917. Uh, last week, we discussed um, the apparitions themselves, and this week, we're going to look at the message of the apparitions and the, what they mean for us today. But before we do that, if you want mind just reintroducing or or reintroducing yourself to our audience a little bit. I'd be happy to, Dr. Bergwald. I'm Monsignor Charles Mangan, a priest of this Diocese of Sioux Falls. I was ordained by Bishop Paul Dudley in 1989, and before that, I was raised in Aberdeen, a member of Sacred Heart Parish with my dad and mother and my uh, three brothers and two sisters, and uh, went to school in Aberdeen, a Catholic school. Uh, went to college, seminary, uh, graduated from Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland, which, by the way, has just announced that Father Stanley Rother, a 1963 graduate of the seminary, is going to be beatified. Oh, wow. He was a missionary, and so what great news that that yeah. was just released. Yeah. So we're so so grateful for that. Uh, then uh, here in the diocese, Dr. Bergwald, I've been so blessed by three bishops to uh, do so many different things, pastoral work in the parishes, chancery, tribunal. I did some work in Rome, studied in Rome. Uh, so a priesthood uh, which I could never thank God enough for. Manzi, you mentioned uh, when you were introducing yourself last week that uh, before seminary you studied music. Yes. I didn't know that about you. Yes, I did study music. I uh, played the low brass instruments and also studied vocal music. So uh, I was um, prepared to teach music Huh. And uh, love it. I love music still. Don't get to do a lot with it anymore. Though I must say, in Mass, I do like to chant the, mm-hmm. the prayers, and that's always such a, a blessing. Low brass instruments, so that would be like the tuba, the trombone? The trombone, the baritone horn. Baritone horn was uh, the, the, the instrument that I most played. Okay. okay. So. Excellent. Yes. I, that, that, again, that's something that I, that I didn't know about you. So yes, I'm, I'm yes. I've learned. I should introduce myself, by the way, if you never listened to Ignition. Uh, my name Again, my name is Chris Bergwald. I am the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Um, and I've had that position and lived in Sioux Falls f- since 2002. Uh, married. Uh, my wife, Jermaine, and I have been married for almost 18 years, 17 and a half years, and we have five children. Uh, so just briefly a little bit myself. So Monsignor, um, just to recap briefly last week, if you could just, uh, in a minute or two, uh, we, we talked about the apparitions of, oh, by the way, 1916, we discussed, um, last week was the, um, the hundredth anniversary of three apparitions of an angel to these three young Portuguese children, um, outside of the, the Portuguese, uh, town of Fatima. Do we know what angel that was? He identified himself as the angel of peace. Okay. 
And also, I believe uh, he was also identified identified himself as the guardian angel of Portugal. So he had two different titles he used. Okay. And the angel really came to prepare for the prepper, prepare for the apparitions of Mary the following year. Right. And as we said last week, Doctor Bergwald, I think a lot of the message <clears throat> from our, the angel and Our Lady were the same. Not right. surprisingly, of course, right. because heaven wouldn't be disunified. Yep. You know. Uh, but really, prayer, reverence, penance, and doing one's duty, one's daily duty, or we may say, fulfilling one's vocation. Okay. So that was 1916, and as you said, similar message to Mary's appearance as apparitions in 1917. They started May 13th, 1917, and uh, occurred each month from then through uh, October 13th, 1917, which was the final one. We spoke um, in in the last episode about the miracle of the sun, the famous miracle of the sun, which occurred uh, at the end of that, a promised miracle to validate, to verify that everything the children had been saying was true. Yes. This beautifully, beautiful lady, indescribably beautiful lady, came to the kova, to this little impression in the earth, and came, and these three children who could yet not read or write saw this splendid figure from heaven and she encouraged the children to pray the rosary daily for the end of world war one which was raging at that time and she also encouraged them to return to the kova for several months consecutively on the 13th of the month and Mm -hmm. so they did that faithfully without fail Mm -hmm. as we said last time however in august there was a town administrator who was not at all happy with what was going on at the COVID because people were gathering, people were praying, and so on. As we said last week also, Portugal was at this time uh, in the throes of socialism, or at least the beginning of socialism. And so this town administrator spirited the children away from Fatima and would not allow them to go to the Kova on the 13th of August and put them for a small time, a short time in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Our Lady came on the 19th. And she did say that because the administrator had done that, the promised miracle dedicated to October would not have, would not be as great as it would have been had the administrator not done what right. he'd done. It was pretty great as it was, though. Yes. As we said last week, to have the sun spin to have the uh, very wet clothes of the people who were there, 100,000 people perhaps, dry after this spinning of the sun and after the sun started to come to earth, hurtle to earth, uh, incredible. And as we also reported, the secular newspaper from Lisbon did make mention of this and had uh, a journalist there on scene. And there is a picture of black and white from that day, uh, several pictures that that have circulated over the years. Right. So before Monsignor, we we turn to talk about the message uh, and its relevance for us today. Just one thing we didn't really touch on. We talked last week about uh, these young children uh, and the lives they'd led. Tell us a little bit about their lives after the apparitions, after October 13th, 1917. I think we could say that the children's lives were changed certainly by the internal message that Our Lady gave. And there were certain things that happened to the children they became, in some sense, kind of celebrities. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, people wanted to come. They wanted to come and visit them and see them. Lucia would eventually go to the convent, 
uh, she became a Dorothean sister and spent some time in Spain. Eventually, he, she would come back to Portugal and be a Discalced Carmelite. So just as we have the Discalced Carmelites in Alexandria here in the diocese, uh, in Coimbra, Portugal, north of Fatima, is the uh, Carmelite monastery where Sister Lucia ended would be for the end of her life uh, at a very old age. The other children, uh, Jacinta and Francisco, became ill shortly after the apparitions, and one died in 1919, one died in 1920. Mm-hmm. So they never achieved adulthood, at least physical adulthood. They were certainly spiritual giants and spiritually mature. Uh, but nonetheless, these were children who suffered a lot. And uh, this was part of the cross, and yet Mary was there all the way with them. And they are now blessed. Mm-hmm. So uh, Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul II, beatified them in the year 2000, which was the great jubilee of the year 2000, and went to Fatima to do so. So these children, uh, Lucia, as Mary said, Lucia would have to spend more time on earth, and she certainly did. She died in 2005. Mm. So she was a, a very, you know, well into her 90s by the time she died. Um, and uh, nevertheless, the small little children, two little children, Jacinta and Francisco, didn't miss out on anything because they got to go to heaven right. and uh, be with the Lord, as Mary promised. Yeah. Mary promised that the children would go to heaven. She said about Francisco, he would have to pray many rosaries. But, you know, she'd say that to all of us, right. that we have to have hearts uh, centered on prayer, centered on service and love of others. Lindsay, and then, I, again, one more thing that occurred to me um, before we turn to the message and its relevance for us today. Why do you think, when people ask you this question, uh, I'm curious how you respond, why do you think that our Lord sent his mother to deliver these messages? What are your thoughts on that question? We know that there are times in history that this has happened. Sometimes Jesus has come. We think of St. Margaret Mary Alicole mm-hmm. in the 1600s, who was privileged with the revelation of Jesus that then really came into its own in the first, Saturday, first Friday devotion, whereby, whereby we make nine consecutive First Fridays, receiving Holy Communion, going to Mass, receiving Holy Communion in reparation to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Well, at times our Lord has sent his mother. Why? I suppose the answer to that lies in the mind of God. Mm. But certainly there is this incredible maternal aspect that Mary brings, and Jesus too, certainly loving and tender, but Mary brings this maternal aspect, and so often Mary has appeared to children, to very humble souls. Now, Juan Diego in Mexico in 1531 regarding Our Lady of Guadalupe was not a child, but he was a very humble man who was willing to receive the message. Mm -hmm. So, so often, Dr. Bergwald, as you know, these apparitions come to people who are receptive. Right. And so it was in Lourdes with Bernadette, so it was in Fatima with Lucia and Jacinto and Francisco. So let's turn then from um, sort of the historical background and the lives of these children and so on to 
Uh, and we, you touched on this already, looking at the apparitions of the angel in 1916 and Mary in 1917 and what they have in common and then uh, what they mean for us today. Uh, before we do so, you are listening to Ignition, a radio show and broadcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and Monsignor Charles Mangan and I are talking about the apparitions of Mary, the mother of God, mother of Jesus, to three young Portuguese children uh, near the, the Portuguese village of Fatima in 1917. If you have questions about what we're discussing today, the email address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. So, Monsignor, tell us more about the message of Fatima and what it means for us today. The message of Fatima has been described in various ways. I'd like to go back to those four points we've mentioned several times, and that is this message is one about prayer, reverence, penance, and doing one's daily duty, or if you wish, living one's vocation. Prayer. We know prayer can either be communal, we do it together, for example, go to Mass. Uh, We might pray to the rosary as a group. We might pray with our family at night before bed. This is communal prayer. We do it with others. Prayer is also personal. So sometimes I should take some moments during the day and spend some time alone with the Lord and with his mother, spending some time asking God to bless us, to give us what we need, to forgive us, and spending time in adoration of God. You know, he is great, he is wonderful, he is majestic. So prayer is a very important component. A second component is one of reverence. And I think this comes through beautifully in the words of the angel, the angel who came in 1916, as well as it comes through in Our Lady's words. What do we mean? Reverence is about treating holy things in a holy way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we often think about going to Mass, and we be reverent at Mass. We, uh, we refrain from unnecessary talking. We genuflect before the tabernacle. Uh, we are attentive during Mass and so forth. And then reverence in terms of reverence for others, reverence for the gift of life that God has given to us, reverence for our faith. So, treating holy things in a holy way. Third aspect of the Fatima message is one of penance, doing penance for our sins. Now, we think about penance, and during this Lenten season, which we're currently in, we think of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Penance can be many different things. Yes, it is not eating food at times, giving up food, giving up certain drinks, uh, but also refraining from sin, Mm. refraining from darkness, refraining from gossip, as Pope Francis has challenged us over and over again, to do penance, to to stem my anger, to stem my tongue, whatever it might be. And Dr. Bergwald, the point here of this is, is important, is doing penance not only for my sins, but for the sins of others. Mm. The children in the July 1917 apparition were, were shown by Our Lady a vision of hell. And Mary said that this is the place where poor sinners go who have no one to pray for them. Mm. So we have to remember that penance and prayer are part of charitable actions towards others. Right. You know, we need to do reparation for my sins, making up for my misdeeds, and making up for the misdeeds of others. This is a way we show love. Which brings us to the fourth part of the message, which is doing our daily duty or Another way to phrase that is living our vocation. That is, you're a, you're a dad, you're a husband, 
I'm a priest. Two great vocations, two different vocations, but yet united. So you should be the best dad you can be, best husband you can be. I should be the best priest I can be. Living our vocations corresponding to God's grace, accepting God's grace that he gives to us, especially in the sacrament. Mm. If we live the grace he gives to us, you know, it's going to be okay. Whatever cross we have. You know, we have that beautiful phrase in Catholic theology about sacramental grace. The notion that there are graces that come to us by way of receiving the sacraments. And the grace of your life as a married man and as a dad, the grace of my life as a priest, these are graces that help us fulfill our vocation. So living our daily duty, that is, to do what I need to do every day. Right. You know, I think this uh, is a way we might summarize the Fatima message. And it's certainly applicable to us, just as it was in 1917. Here we are 100 years later. And we know we still struggle with these things. We can struggle with prayer and reverence and penance and doing our daily duty, our living our vocation. But yet, just as the children had the graces available to them, so we have the graces, and we have to use them well, and we have to thank God for them. The the uh, thinking a couple of things as you're going through those. Um, first of all, the third uh, doing penance, um, especially not only for our own sins but the sins of others. Uh, this is where um, and, and and Catholics uh, may not be aware of this. Many people are, should be are, are probably familiar with the fact that Catholics pray the Rosary or at least are encouraged to pray the Rosary. Um, but it was at Fatima that a prayer was added. Um, Mary invited us to pray a prayer that hadn't been part of the rosary prior to that. Can you talk about that a little bit and how it connects with the third point? Yes, this is called the Fatima prayer, Fatima ejaculation. This is a short little prayer which reminds us, especially while we're praying the rosary, that we should be remembering those who have died, those who have gone before us, and those who are in danger even of damnation. So the prayer we know so well, Oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of your mercy. So what we're doing here is we're asking that the Lord keep us on the straight and narrow path, and the same for our neighbors, and that anyone who is in danger of losing his or her soul to hell may be rescued by the grace of Christ through the hands of Mary. So that was something, did she reveal that prayer to the children? How did they, how did they learn about this prayer? Yes, this was one of the prayers that Our Lady did reveal to them. She encouraged them to say this. And it's a prayer that I think by now, as far as I know, is really universal. Now, there may be parts of the world that don't use it, but I suspect by now, 100 years later, that uh, this is really part of the rosary. You know, you and I lived in Italy. It certainly was there. Right. It's certainly in Fatima, Portugal, uh, when I've been there. And uh, so it's a great blessing. As far as it's, it's commonly prayed here as well. I think most families, most people when they pray the rosary include the Fatima prayer as well. Yes. I think there's been a lot of talk about it over the past hundred years. And it, it just reminds us, you know, we pray because we adore the Lord we ask him for forgiveness, we thank him, and we ask him for what we need. And certainly what we need is salvation for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters. So Monsignor, um, one of the other aspects, I think, I think it's the July, you mentioned last week, um, I think it's the July apparition, one of the more, I should say, sens- sensationalized 
not necessarily sensational, but sensationalized aspects of the the apparitions of Our Lady at Fatima have been the the secrets that Mary revealed to the children. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yes. Our Blessed Mother did give three secrets. Uh, she showed them hell. Uh, she also said that another war would begin if men did not turn back to God. And she talked about this third secret, uh, which has attracted a lot of attention. It was a secret that Lucia, later on as a sister, was ordered to write down. She submitted it to the bishop and eventually made its way to the Holy See, to the Vatican, and was given to Pope Pius XII, uh, St. Uh, Saint John the Twenty Third in 1960, uh, had read the secret. There was some thought that he might reveal it. He chose not to. And the secret stayed around. Um, St. John Paul II, then after his assassination attempt in 1981, read the secret uh, and eventually revealed it in 2000 through Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger, who was at that time prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, and of course later would be known as Pope Benedict XVI. Um so, Dr. Bergwald, I think what's important here to remember is there has been a lot of attention paid to the third secret, um, and there are some today who do not believe that the Holy See has revealed all the contents of the third secret. Right. Um, it would perhaps be too long for us to go into all the parts of this, but in a nutshell, the third secret had to do with a bishop dressed in white, which seems to indicate the Pope, who would suffer terribly and even be martyred for the faith. St. John Paul II saw in himself that bishop because, as we know, uh, he said that he would have died had our Blessed Mother not stopped the bullet uh, from killing him. By the way, when did that assassination attempt happen? That was the 13th of May. Oh. (laughs) Yes. The 13th of May, the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima, the first apparition, May 13th, and that was the year 1981. Right. So John Paul was relatively brief as Pope right. at that time. Um, and um, we might also emphasize, we might also mention briefly here, as you mentioned, this is one aspect. Another aspect of the Fatima message that we hear a lot today, which has engendered some controversy, is this notion of the consecration of Russia mm. to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Now, this is a long, again, a long history to this, but in 1942, Pope Pius XII consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. That's during World War II. Though. That was during World War II. And in 1952, <clears throat> he repeated, he actually consecrated the Russian peoples to the Blessed Mother. Well, um, our Blessed Mother asked for the consecration of Russia to her Immaculate Heart. And in 1982, St. John Paul II performed a consecration that did not mention Russia by name specifically. So in 1984, he took upon himself this consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Now, that was the 25th of March, 1984, and some might think, well, that was over. But some did not believe that he actually did it as Mary wanted. He did not mention Russia out loud. Mm. Now, there is a bishop who was close by him at that ceremony who said he's absolutely convinced that John Paul said Russia under his breath, and he may have. The point is, however, is that there's been a lot of controversy as to whether heaven, the Blessed Mother, the Lord, accepted that 
consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart or not. And this, again, is a very long controversy, but there are two schools. One is to say that Russia has never been consecrated because the formula was not as Mary asked. The other school would say that, um, objectively speaking, the consecration occurred and that heaven accepted it. So I think, you know, the people ask, well, what do you think? And I always think, I think we, we always go to the side of, of the Holy See and, and what we've been told, and, and we want to adhere to the Church. And I think there are excellent people who are able to say that Sister Lucia indicated that this consecration had been accepted. So um, having said that, however, the third secret uh, and the consecration of Russia are aspects of the Fatima secret, important aspects. But let's go back again to our prayer, to reverence, to penance, and to doing our daily duty, living our vocation. These also are very important aspects. So um, we've got about two and a half minutes left, Monsignor. Um, you just touched on them, and you, when you uh, spoke of them earlier, you were saying they continue to have relevance for us today. Uh, talk a little bit more in the time we left about why that is. The reason that these have relevance for us today is because despite the time period in which we live, by way of baptism, we are charged with living Christ-like lives. This is what it means to be baptism. It's not just a nice ceremony. It's not a chance to trot out the dress that somebody else had worn so Mm. the baby can wear the dress. I mean, those are fine, but the key here is baptism is about being conformed to Christ. Mm. In every age— we are called to be conformed to Christ, and we know it's never easy. In some ways, it's rather simple. This, the message is straightforward from God. Live lives of love, live lives of the sacraments, and so forth. But in every age, it's challenging. So the Lord God sent Mary to us to remind us of the importance of prayer, of reverence, of penance, making reparation for sin, and of living our vocation. And I think we need that at every moment. We need those reminders. You know, this is not my life. It's as St. Paul in his letter to the Galatians, it's Christ who lives in me. So how blessed we are to be able to be Christ-like for others. Last week I mentioned a a book by William Walsh that I I, I found very helpful about Our Lady of Fatima, which is uh, titled Our Lady of Fatima. You also mentioned a resource that you have. Yes, I have a little booklet uh, on Fatima. It's a small little booklet that's a summary of the Fatima message. If anyone would like to have it, you could certainly write to us here at Ignition, uh, or if you wish, 523 North Duluth Avenue, Sioux Falls, 57104, and we'll be happy to send a copy to you. Great. Um, May 13th, would that would you say that's the, that's the, the anniversary date? Or is it the first apparition, the last apparition, just in the final seconds, what do you think? Yes, May 13th is really the feast day of Our Lady of Fatima. October 13th is the anniversary of the miracle. Certainly both are important, but the feast day is in the church is the 13th of May. So it's coming up here in just a couple months. Yes. Thank you, Monsignor. Dr. Bergwald, you're welcome. And that wraps up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet us at sfdiocese. Use the hashtag ignition with any questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. 
click on media and then audio files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.